Hey, this is Tim McGregor, and I'm the pastor of LOH Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope it builds your faith and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Jesus sees believers as a finished product before we realize that he started on us. He's not only the author of our faith, he's the finisher of our faith, and since he knows the end from the beginning, and he's already at the end, he's the finisher before he's the author. He's the Z as well as the A. Jesus has gone to work before we even know it on our lives. We didn't find him. He created a path for us to come to him. Now, all the shouters, you got every now and then, every now and then, I want to make sure you're still there. I can only see about, well, I can only see about five rows out. After that, uh, I see men as trees. So, um, do you know, even when at times we feel like we are far away, or that he is far away, sometimes later we discover that he was never far away. And he was working, not only on us, but in us and through us. We're going to look at that today. I want to say something to you at the end of this series that I said at the beginning. The entire series that we've put together, Heart and Soul, my prayer has been that the Holy Spirit would do miraculous things in every one of us, and in, in that, that the Holy Spirit would continue to lead us into the liberty that Jesus has already provided for us. And that he would take that wellspring that's on the inside of us and through these messages create a pulsating vibrancy and that we would uh, have a deeper experience with the working of the Holy Spirit in our life. That he is the one who lives on the inside of us and is at work on us. And these messages are, 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 meant, for, are meant for any person. They are meant for people regardless of what level of darkness you've come out of or you might seem to be in. Trauma. Wherever you've come from. Whether you feel like you're damaged goods, Jesus can still work with the goods. Whatever baggage you have, whatever baggage I have, God is about working on our heart. He promises, regardless of our culture, regardless of our environment, he promises to give a new heart. He promises to give us a new heart. And when we continue to give our heart to him, and we continue to give our heart to others, that's what we find life is really all about. When we give our heart to God and we guard our heart the right way, we find that our heart remains to pumping with the wellsprings that Jesus promised. And we're gonna to look today at how Jesus takes us before we've ever met him. And from the very beginning, he sees us as a finished product. And my prayer is by the end of this message, you will be able to see with the eye of your faith 
with the eye of your heart what Jesus already sees in you. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for the privilege of being able to stand here with your sheep and feed them your word. I thank you that I can't and I need not rely on my own abilities to do that. I don't have any. But I thank you that I can lean on the Holy Spirit who is in the church. Not just in the word, he's in the church. And I thank you that the Holy Spirit has already equipped me. And I pray that my tongue would be like the pen of a ready writer. And that you would grace every person in this room with the ability to hear your voice through my voice and through your living word. That you would, as Elijah prayed for Gehazi, his servant, Lord, remove the scales from their eyes that they can see that there are more for us than against us. As Paul prayed that you would give to us, people who already have the Holy Spirit, you would give the spirit of wisdom and revelation that we might know you and the hope of this calling and the riches of the inheritance we have as your people. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to look at Simon Peter today and watch through his life how Jesus takes our heart and creates a glorious heart because he does the same thing in ours. Let's look at this journey with Simon Peter. In John chapter 1, in verses 41 and 42, here's what we see when Andrew comes to Simon, or brings Simon Peter and introduces him to Jesus. We find that his eyes, Jesus' eyes, see the finished product in Simon before he even starts working on Simon. Look at this. John says, he, meaning Andrew, he, Andrew, he found first his own brother, Simon. Now think of that for a minute. When the Lord begins to work in our life, he, he's, he's hoping that we connect with our own family. Some of us might be the first, the forerunner in your whole family line. A brother, a sister to come along, a father, a mother, a son, a daughter, an uncle, an aunt, somebody like that. The first thing Andrew did was went and found his own brother. And he said to him, we have found the Messiah, which translated means Christ, which means the anointed. We found the one that the Old Testament is pointing to. We found him. And then he brings him to Jesus, and I love this. It's highlighted. I love this. Just read it slowly. Jesus looked at him. My theory is, is that when Jesus looks at us, he sees the finished product before it even starts. He looks at him and he says, you are Simon, the son of John. I believe the, the, the Holy Spirit uh, is giving him that word of knowledge tell Simon he knows who he is. And then he says, you shall be called Kephas. That's the Aramaic word for the Greek word Petros, 
which is the English word Peter, which is the name Jesus called him, but the word doesn't, we think of people that name Peter, we just think of the word, but it meant something. The word meant stone. So you are, I know who you are, I know who your daddy is, but I'm calling you Kephas. I'm calling you stone. I see something. I'm going to do something in you, and then we're going to see what kind of stone this is. Because this is a stone that he is making all of us to become. And this is how he sees us before we even begin to allow him to work on us. You shall be called Kephas. You shall be called Peter. You shall be called stone. You shall be called rock. So here's the original Rocky. Right? Here he is. Imagine when he home and talked to Mrs. Simon. I did, he knew my dad. He called me rock. Why did he call me? What was he meaning rock? Well, later... Later on, and you see this from Luke's account, Simon met Jesus at this, what we see in John, but then there was some interaction between the two. In one, he heard him preach a few times. Uh, actually, he came to Simon's house after church and healed Simon's mother-in-law of a fever. He just spoke to the fever, rebuked it, and it went away, and the mother-in-law got out of bed and served dinner. Boom, like that. So Simon saw that. So Jesus is out preaching on the water, or wants to preach on the water because the people are pressing too close to him, and so he wants to get out and have a space so he can preach. And he asks Simon if he can use his boat. Sneaky Jesus. And so he preaches. Simon has to sit there and listen because he's using his boat. After he's finished preaching, he looks at Simon, who has just fished all night and caught nothing. He says, I want you to launch out one more time and drop your nets for a catch. And Simon says, <laughs> Simon says, and Simon says, Simon says, we've fished all night and haven't caught anything, but because of your word, because you're doing the math, you're thinking, he healed my mother-in-law of a fever, he just touched her. So maybe, so he does. And if they catch, and we, it's, look what it says. They catch such a great number of fish, and we'll pick it up. So they signaled to their partners. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come help them because they caught so many fish, the, the, the boat was sinking. Then look at this. Remember the first time it says, and Jesus looked it's Simon, looked at him. Look at this. But when Simon Peter saw that, in other words, he assesses what happens here. Look at his response. Because see, sometimes we, 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 we come to find out that he has, he's known us before we knew him, when we meet him. And then he amazes us with something he says, but then something he does can trigger this response in us as it did in Simon. Simon says, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. 
And there is, in the, in the Greek language, there's an, it's an exclamation. It's, it's, a, it's an impressive uh, emotional response. He's not telling the Lord to get away from him. He's just saying, in contrast of who you are and what you're about, you got the wrong guy. I am a sinful man. For amazement had seized him. He was amazed at this contrast of what Jesus did and who Jesus is compared to what he does and who he is. And the triggered response is, I'm not good enough for this. Whatever you've got thinking, you don't know, you, said, you know my dad, you, you don't know me. Go away from me, man. You, 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 your business will bomb if you, if you pick me. That's what he's saying. But Jesus doesn't look at us the way we look at us. I said Jesus sees the finished product before the starting point. Because Jesus is going to do a work. I guess this is theologically correct, but I guess God believes in himself. I don't think he's up worrying at night. Oh gosh, we just trusted Tim McGregor to me. Now that would freak me out. And Jesus says to Simon, you want to do, an, you want to do, you want to do a, a cool Bible study? Do a Bible study on the sayings between Jesus and Simon. It's fascinating. Who's going to do it? It's fascinating. It, there's, and Jesus says to Simon, and Simon says to Jesus. It's all the way through his whole life. Fascinating conversations. And Jesus says to Simon, remember what Simon has just said? Something triggered, it triggered a response for Simon to say, your business will bomb if it's me. You don't know, you, you said stone, yeah, the only kind of stone I am, it's dropping right to the bottom of the sea. You, and Jesus says to him, do not fear. From now on, everybody say from now on. From now on, you will be catching men. In Guzik's commentary, he said a better statement that Peter could have made to Jesus instead of saying, go away from me, depart from me, I'm a sinful man, is please come near to me because I'm a sinful man. Huh? But Jesus wasn't really listening. I'm so glad that my prayers don't automatically make Jesus have to do what I pray. <laughs> Whoop, have to do it like a genie in the bottle. How many of you think you've probably pray prayed some prayers that the Lord looked at his father and went, <laughs> man. <laughs> oh, I was going to say holy moly, but Jesus wouldn't say holy moly, uh, I, I guess. I don't know what he would say. Holy Spirit, I don't know what he would say. <laughs> uh, from now on, again, again, you're, you're, you're reacting to me based on how you see yourself or what your religious culture has created your mindset to think of God. Forget all that. I, I kind of think repentance might mean a whole lot of Jesus saying, everything you think, forget all that. I think repentance has a lot more to do with that than about trying not to cuss every now and then. 
Metanoia means change the way you think and think like God wants you to think. And then act on what God reveals of how he wants you to think. So forget all that. I think I read it somewhere. Forget the former things, I do a new thing. And so Jesus is saying to Simon, don't let the fear of what just triggered you to define you and to keep you from moving forward in the progress of what I am calling you to. From now on. Jesus has a from now on for us. And you know what I think? I think he has a lot of from now ons. I think you go for a season in something, then he says, that's good. But from now on, I think we hold tightly to some things, and the things we hold tightly to, hold them loosely also. So, Jesus was going to go to work on Simon. Kephas, the stone. And if you read the story, you see he's very shaky. He's very shaky, isn't he? And if someone would really read our story, they might not only say shaky, they might say shady. I have to admit, that would be my story in some ways. But he's going to go to work on him. And I want to share with you, now I'm not the expert on this, but in my so many years, here's how I think Jesus goes to work on us. Because I want to tell you the kind of stone he is making us to become, a gemstone. A gemstone. When the priest in the Old Testament was to wear a garment that wasn't normal, it was constructed the way God patterned it, it was to come upon him, he was to wear it into the presence of God. He wasn't to wear his own street clothes. He was to wear a garment uh, according to the pattern God told them to make. And one of the parts of it would be a breastplate and, uh, that would have 12 gemstones on it over the heart of the priest. So the priest represented Jesus to show the kind of the way Jesus' heart looks. And those gemstones on the heart of Jesus were for the 12 tribes of Israel. In the new covenant, it would, be, it would even be more exhaustive, meaning everybody that's, that's a part of his family, they're on his heart, and he sees them like those, they look like those gemstones. And you and I are seen by Jesus like that. If you're a believer, not, not if you're a churchgoer or you're like the guy I preached in this series about he tried to sneak into the wedding banquet without the garment. No, nope. But under the blood, in Christ, finished product before he starts. And then he goes to work to make us what he's already seen. And I'm going to tell you what those, those things are that he does, and then we're going to break them down. The first is, the first, oh, there it is, thanks. The first is, he, he says your name. We'll talk about that. The second is saving. We'll talk about that. Uh, this is how Jesus makes a gemstone. Uh, showing. He, he, something about saying your name, saving, 
showing and then shaking, sifting our lives so we can shine. All of those, um, they're cycles. They don't just happen one time, they happen throughout our entire life with the Lord. I, I tell you, I, I have lived through every one of those and I've been through them a number of times and I will, according to God's calendar and work schedule, I will till the day I breathe my last breath here and wake up to see his face. And so will you. And he takes us through each one of these and he wants us to go through them, not get stuck in them. He says our name, he saves us, he sows into us. I forgot that the first time through. He shows us and he shakes and he sifts us. Let's talk about it. He said, saying your name, he said, you are Simon, the son of John, but you shall be called Kephas, Petros, Peter, Stone, Rock. What I mean by this, now, I don't know what he calls me. I don't know what he calls me. He knows my name. I'm son of Galen. Galen was my dad. Galen Charles McGregor. I'm Galen Timothy McGregor. And in, in school, uh, I always wanted to be called Tim. But up until fourth grade, I think I even was okay with them calling me Timmy because I was known as Timmy McGregor. And uh, now... After a while, you kind of want to grow up and in, 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 in pretend you're a man. And, uh, and so you want your family to not call you Timmy anymore. You want them to call you Tim. But that don't work for my mom. I'll be, if I would live to be the age of Methuselah, I would be Timmy. Timmy McGregor. Um, I remember in seventh grade, though, I had this industrial arts teacher named Lawrence Strem. And I came home, you know him too, Jimmy, right? And I came home showing my dad, Galen McGregor, my report card, and he was looking over the names of my teachers because he went to the, he went to the same, he went to Fort Hill, and this was Washington Middle, but Fort Hill back then had a middle school all at Fort Hill. And he's looking down over the list, and he goes, oh, straight line strem. I went, what? He goes, you have straight line strem? I said, I do. He goes, uh-oh. <laughs> so I'm in, I didn't know, he didn't want to tell me. Had something to do with my father's behavior under straight line Strem. So anyway, I go in there a couple days later, and, and, and Mr. Strem is reading the role. And I haven't asked him yet if he could call me. See, I, it says Galen, Galen McGregor. I raise my hand, and all my friends are like, who are you, man? You're Timmy McGregor. And so Mr. Strem calls out Galen McGregor and he pauses. And I went, here? <laughs> and he goes on down around. So I'm doing my work and I'm, I'm, I'm working at, uh, to, to become a future architect on my drawing board and I'm there, I'm going. And Mr. Strem comes over, he walks up to my desk, he gets down like this, looks me right in the face. He goes, Galen McGregor? I said, yeah. He goes, you're a skunk. <laughs> I 
I went to school when you could get away with stuff. <laughs> I went home and I told my dad, and my dad got this look like, and he went, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> you are Tim, son of Galen the skunk. No, my dad was a great, he was a great guy. Uh, uh, Mr. Strem, if you had him, he had some idiosyncrasies about himself. He was a little bit different. He was a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. But anyway, I don't know what the Lord calls me, but I have a feeling it's not skunk. <laughs> I have a feeling if I knew exactly the way he described my life, it would be based on the giftedness, the personality type that he's made me, uh, the intentions he has for me, the kind thoughts he thinks. Da David actually said, Lord, if I were to count, and this means all of us, if I were to count the number of thoughts you have for me every day, they would outnumber the sand of the seashore. Yeah. Psalm 139, look that up. That means that's how many thoughts he thinks of us. Huh? What kind of wisdom is that? What kind of knowledge is that? Can you attain that? You are, but I will call you. Hey, can we like turn that off? Anyway. So he says our name. In other words, he, 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 he's, he's, he's wanting us to begin to think that we could possibly sparkle. He, he, call, he talks to us throughout our journey in ways it's as if he, it's as if you hear him calling your name in a, in a level of intimacy that nobody's ever had with you. Peter says that, he, Peter describes it in his letter before his execution, you have been chosen by the foreknowledge of God to be set apart by the working of the Holy Spirit that you might live under the voice, hupakointhayu, under the voice, the obedience of Jesus Christ. So what a way to start out, right? You hear his voice. You hear his voice. And the second way is he saves us. Now, I have friends who can tell me the date that they got, got saved. They have, an, they have a date. They, they know it. And, and I have some friends that will write me every year and go, this is the day 30 years ago that I... And you know what? I don't have a date like that. I, I, have, a, I have a moment, a memory, and a spot, and a place... But I don't know what day it was. I know what year it was. I know about the time it was. It was in the winter time of uh, 1980. John Lennon had just been shot. It was right at that time. It was right when Bob Dylan put out his first Christian album. Because I woke up as I did every morning to my alarm clock, as most potheads did, to DC 101 to hear the grease man wake you up in the morning. Anybody old enough to remember that? <laughs> And I wake up, and it'd be uh, uh, Pink Floyd, The Wall, or whatever. And I woke up, and I hear this, uh, my alarm going off. It goes, you may be ambassador to England or France. And I'm, you got to serve somebody. I'm like, is that Bob Dylan? You, gotta, you might be the Lord. Blew my mind. Within a couple of weeks, I was saved. I thought, I got saved when Bob Dylan got saved. 
I've called him about that to talk that over. He never answers. <laughs> so that was the one I got saved. But here's, you know what? How many of you know that you got saved? You, you might know when it was, where it was. It might have been crisis moment dynamic. Or you might be like a C.S. Lewis that it kind of accumulated over time that you went from here to here. But now you know, I'm saved. I'm not exactly sure when or where, but I'm saved. And you know, raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Looks like you're really excited about it. Raise your hand. Oh, okay. Um, but then, as you're walking with the Lord, have you ever, the kind of save I'm talking about here that's about making us, it's like he saves your life. Well, so I need, man, I, I was in this situation And he came and saved me. You all look real nice. Dressed nice. I bet you're just good old American citizens. And I'm not going to ask you how many of you. After being saved. Could could say hmm. Hmm. man he saved me I bet you haven't forgotten it hope you learned something from it There is the saving of the soul and then there are times where he reaches into our danger, our earthquake, our life-shaking seasons. The Bible says the righteous man falls seven times, but the Lord lifts him out of every one of them. How many of you have more than one, two, seven, nine, eleven, What I do. I'm telling you, man, right? Peter had two that we know of. He's on the water walking with Jesus. He sees the wind and the waves and down he goes. That rock's gonna sink. And what's it say? He cries out. I'm talking about moments in your life where you have to cry out to the Lord. Where your help is to the level, the volume of your praise that Ollie encouraged you to have. Anybody? Anybody been on that cruise? That cruise line? Psalm 91 says, the Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them. I will reward them with long life and show them my salvation. That's what I'm talking about. How does God make gemstones? Do you know what? When Simon came up out of that water, when he reached down and grabbed him and pulled him up out of that water and put him back in that boat, he and the disciples, they said, what kind of man is this? Have you been saved from something that you had no business being in to need to be saved from in the first place?
How does he make gemstones? He makes gemstones by sowing. He puts his word in my heart like seed. I appreciate some of you who've written me and said, um, th this series on heart and soul, God has really used it to speak into my life. That's what I'm talking about. How does he make gemstones? He, he speaks into our lives from his book, from his word. He creates teaching moments. Yes, in the services where we gather around the word, but through life. And in those moments, he feeds us in ways where, you know, there's certain scriptures you're not really interested in until you need to be. Like, how many of you are really interested in healing scriptures before you really get sick? You know, I mean, I heard a guy say one time that he wasn't really interested in healing scriptures until he got cancer. And I found it fascinating how people aren't really interested in marriage seminars until they're, they're on the Titanic. I've found that there are many times as good old believers that until we're on the back of the Titanic hanging with Jack and Rose and that guy that looks over at them in the, when they're getting ready and, and Jack's getting ready to say, now it's going to suck us under. And when it does, you've got to take a real deep breath and don't let go of my... Until we get right there. And then it's like, what time's church? Maybe, you ever think about starting a Wednesday night? Hey, when's, when's the move? My kid just, I just found out. I mean, we haven't been here for 16 years, but um, could have been. He's able to take these things of life and, and encourage our interest. He's able to allow things to happen so we might consider a prayer life. He makes gemstones by sowing in our heart. So that the words in this book become our consciousness consciousness where you come sitting going I need you to speak to me he makes gemstones by showing us things who do people say I am he didn't ask them at the start it was a couple years in nearly he's just turned his face to go to Jerusalem to die on the cross and he says, who do people say I am? Well, this, that, the other, and this, that, the other, and this, that, and the other, and this, that, and the other. Hmm. Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Here's one of those conversations between Jesus and Simon. And Simon says... You are the anointed one. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus says, human, human, human instruction didn't give you that. My father showed you that. And I say to you, 
on that revelation, I will build my church and the strategies of hell can't come against those who know that no, no, I'm the Christ, the son of the living God. But Simon hasn't arrived because then, then Jesus says, all right, so now listen, let these words sink down deep in your ears. We're going to Jerusalem and everything the prophet said about me will take place. I will be arrested. I will be mocked. I will be, be and the same guy then says, Simon says, no, 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 no. Let me pull you aside. I'm the head of this operation here. Far be that from you, Lord. Remember where he's come from? Depart from me. I'm a sinful man. Now he's, now he's running the construction site. And the Lord shakes him up by his words back. Get behind me, Satan. Satan? Because you're thinking like a man. You're thinking like a man. Not like God. <whistles> Poor Simon. He had to be, I got it. I got it. it Lord, I got it. We're to forgive people seven times? That's a lot of forgiveness. No. <laughs> 70 times seven. Unlimited. What? Unlimited? What? I can imagine those guys walking around going, I'm not asking him, you ask him. I'm not asking him, you. I'm not asking him. And then the other way that he makes us into gemstones is by shaking us and sifting us so we can shine. So I want to bring the microscope dial in close on this one. The other ones are... I like to tell me my name, please. Show me my giftedness. And he does. He will. He, he's all, he loves that. And all these other things, speak into my life, wake me up in the morning, give, please give me a word, give me a song, and he'll do that. He will do, I promise you he'll do that. But this shifting and shaking part. It's the night he's going to be betrayed. I don't think Judas is left yet. He's probably still at the table. And this encounter in Luke 22 says, and there arose also, now picture the contrast here. Jesus is going to die within 24 hours. And he knows, you guys have a couple more minutes? And he knows what kind of death he's going to die. He knows Isaiah 53. He's going to be beaten beyond recognition of being a human being. Within 24 hours, you know that's going to happen to you. You're going you're to take upon you the toxicity of the, of the sin of the human race from the time of Adam into your own being. We can't even just understand what that is. And that's where he is. And he says, you know what, I've longed to have this dinner with you before I suffer. <laughs> we have two, Lord. It's like, I'm running for my life. You know what I mean? 
We have two, man. Yeah, we are two. Pass the mustard. We have two. Hey, you're... And it says, and there arose in that context, in that context, and they're three years in, man. And before I look down on them, how do you even know you wouldn't have done the Judas thing? There arose a dispute among them as to what? Which one of them was the greatest? And in John's account, he gets up, takes off his garments. He's wearing a slave to wrap. And he gets down and washes their feet to explain where he's at compared to where they're at. And where he's got, the gemstone's going to come from the floor up. And, and as he's saying this stuff, he gets back to the seat. Judas bails on that moment. I have a feeling something with that imagery triggered Judas to bail. And then in Luke's account, Jesus says to who? Simon. And notice he calls his name twice. I think Simon had an attention deficit disorder. <laughs> Simon. Simon. And also, he's emphasizing his name twice because this is like I would say to my grandson, if we're in New York City and we have to cross the street, Graham, Graham, you cannot let go of Pacha's hand. Right? Simon, Simon, and he says, behold, fix on what I'm saying. Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. You is a plural pronoun here, not just Simon, all of you. But I have prayed for you, plural, that your faith may not fail, right? We see that prayer in John 17. And you, singular, and you, you, plural all, sift all, get it? Hey, sift all. You, 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 me, all. Satan. But I've prayed for you, you not Jesus, you, and he's still praying. But then he says singular, but you, Simon, when once you have turned again, and right there Simon was triggered, right there, he was triggered, right there. Strengthen your brothers. And look at Simon. But Simon said, see these interactions are fascinating. Lord, and I think he meant it to the depth of his soul. With you, I am ready to go both to prison and to death. And the Greek tense is emphatic. He probably raised his voice, pounded the desk. And Jesus says, these interactions, 
I say to you, what's he call him this time? What's Peter mean? Yeah, it's not a name. It's not like, hey, Pete. Simon, that part of you that's not ready, never. I will go to prison and die. And then he says, rock. Before your alarm goes off in the morning, you'll deny me three times. Rock. That's how rocky you really are. I see the end from the beginning. And you underestimate the intensity of the shaking. If it wouldn't be for the prayers of the Son of God, you'd never come back from it. I want to ask you again, how many of you are thankful that he saved your butt at different times in your life? Sorry, I, I meant to hold that word back, but it didn't work on the other times I was talking to you. You looked at me like we were still on a cruise ship. Now you know what I'm talking about. What is interesting is Paul, 13 years later, calls out Kephas in a letter that everybody in the whole Asia Minor gets to read. Because Kephas, meaning rock, and Paul is playing, winking at Peter with this. Peter, the strong leader, and he was. When the Jewish legalists come to Galatia to influence them to get back under the law, Kephas, and he uses it on purpose, the rock caved. And I had to call the rock out in front of the church. So when we think we are standing, when we see preachers falling across the country and we're ready to talk about it, if they can go, you can go. The only life lesson you should get from that is, what about me? Anybody listening to this? Uh, I'm out of time. I got to stop. I got to stop. Say no again. That sounded so un. I did that on purpose. All right? So we know what happened, right? We know what happened. We know what happened, right? He's in the garden. He meant it. He meant he would die with Jesus. He's in the garden, and the soldiers come and arrest Jesus. And it says that Simon looks at his friend and he says, hold my love your neighbor as yourself over there a minute while I get this sword and cut this guy's head off. That's who he was. His emotional commitment to Jesus was everything. But there are entities, there are entities of demonic power that can break your emotional bond to Jesus and your friends and your family and your marriage regardless of what love song you sing. They are stronger than you. That's the point. And me. But they're not stronger than the prayers of Jesus. They're not stronger than the prayers of Jesus. And remember, when he saw him, when Andrew brought him, he saw all that, all of it, and said, knowing that this man would deny him three times, 
and wouldn't even show up at the cross. Wouldn't even show up. He said to him before all that, you are Kephas. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? Anybody know who this, not only this great salvation is, who this great Savior is, this great Savior, this great I want my grandkids to know who this Jesus is. I want your kids to know who this Jesus is. Let me show you a gemstone maybe months before he's crucified upside down. In his letter, hey, my buddy, my friend, your friend, Mark Teeter, just wrote a book on 1 Peter. And you ought to ask him to send you, or you ought to ask him to send you a copy. I don't, and if you put my, uh, my uh, code, T. McGee, who may give you 20% off. <laughs> or the, the MyPillow guy, or whatever his name is. It's pretty good, actually. Is that what you told me to say, Mark? No, I'm just no it is. It, it is. It's pretty good. I'm proud of him. Proud of you, Mark. So, when Simon gets to the end of his life and he knows he's not going to be around anymore for God's church, and he's known it for a long time. And he, he wants to write the most important things he could write to leave to his friends. And he says these phrases in his letter like this, humble yourselves, listen, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand. And he says, uh, you want to live a good life? Stop your lips from speaking with deception. Listen to this, listen to this gemstone. He says, seek peace and pursue it. See, all the vinegar's gone. When you know you're going to die, the important things become important. And he says, be sober. The enemy, your enemy, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He says, uh, cast your anxieties on the Lord. He cares about you. This is a humble man caring about his shepherd's sheep. 500 years before he wrote that, Gabriel shows up to Daniel in Babylon. And he tells them about how the end of days will unfold. And he has this very cryptic statement that Gabriel, who will come and visit Mary 500 years later, and probably was the one that got Peter out of jail, Gabriel says, in the end of days, God will do this. 
Daniel 11. Some of those who have insight, and I'll tell you, man, <laughs> the more insight you have, Some of those who have insight will fall in order to refine, purge, and make them pure until the end time. Who am I talking to? The prophet Malachi says it this way in Malachi 3. But who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears? He's talking about first coming to the second for he is like a refiner's fire. And he will sit as a smelter and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi, the priesthood, and refine them. He puts you in the fire. So you can come out like gold. So that what you present to the Lord as an offering will be in righteousness. Well, I thought the blood of Jesus, positionally, but the fire makes it experiential. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego found out something about the Son of God in the fire that they didn't find out in Bible study. In the fire. And before you want to jump in the fire, before you pray for God to send the refining fire, I want you to know something. That fire killed, killed the, 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 the soldiers that put those three men in there. It leapt out in an inferno and engulfed them and they burned them to death. You don't, you don't pray for that. Don't worry. God will get... You won't miss the refiner's fire appointment. Don't worry about it. You don't want to jump in it. You got a couple more minutes. I'm sorry. I don't, I, I'm sorry. Um, Isaiah 54. Whenever, whenever, whenever you're going through the shaking and the shifting, um, there, there, are, there are dimensions and levels of shaking and shifting that God uh, permits for people at different stages of their life in the Lord. Uh, you, you and I, it depends on, on, on things. But no matter when you're in it, I remember when I was a 19-year-old kid, when I thought I was going through a fire, it was over probably not some girl not wanting to date me in the youth group at Central. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Increase your power. Um, the last couple of years have been a different kind of fire. And when you're in the fire, fire, how do you know you're in it, the, the fire? Because all of your junk comes up to the top. All the stuff you thought was gone is all around you triggered all around you to the point you think like Simon depart from me I never how could you and here's a word here's a word for some of you who've been in that 
It's from Isaiah 54. I've known this scripture for a long time, but it became incarnational to me this past year. Where the Lord says this, for the mountains may be removed. This is to people in the fire. This is a word to you. For the mountains may be removed and the hills may shake, but my loving kindness will not be removed from you. And my covenant of peace will not be shaken, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Oh, afflicted one. See? Tossed, storm tossed, and not comforted. In other words, you're in the storm and you're tossed back and forth. You're tossed up and down. You feel like you're under affliction and you don't feel the Holy Spirit. God says, I will set your stones in antimony. That word in the Hebrew is puke. I'll say it this way. When you feel like puke, he is setting you in puke. And the, and, the, and the puke is, the Hebrew means a fair color set. It, it's a picture of making your eyes pop by putting dark eyeliner so strategically that your eyes just pop out. When he says, you're going like this, here's what I'm doing. Here is what I'm doing when you feel like you're doing this. I am going to make your, your life pop out. I'm going to lay your stone in antimony. I am going to set you in a place where people will see the glorious, glistening vibrancy of my mercy, my kindness, and my goodness, and my power coming out of your life. That's his commitment. I will set you off in brilliance. He says, in your foundations I will lay in sapphires. Moreover, I will make your battlements of rubies. Do you see these type of gemstones? Do you see these type of gemstones? And your wall will be made of precious stones, okay? So let's go to, I don't have time, I wish I, let's go to Revelation 21. When John sees, when, I'll be glad I preached this at four o'clock today. When John sees the wall, the holy city, it's fascinating. It's made of 12 foundation stones. And on them, on, listen, on the foundation stones are the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. So when Jesus sees Andrew, Thaddeus, Bartholomew, Simon the Canaanite. There's these guys that no one even thinks about. These poor tw 12 apostles of the Lamb and no one ever talks, oh, we talk about Peter, James, there's these other guys. Poor guy, they only saved, changed the whole world. You know what I'm saying? Um, when we see that holy city, it's a thousand miles high, a thousand miles wide, and it's like a crystal made of gold. And the foundation stones have the names of the 12 apostles on them. But they sparkle like this. One of the apostles looks like jasper, and the other like sapphire, the other like chalcedony, the other like emerald, sardonyx, sardius, chrysolite, beryl, topaz, chrysoprus, jacinth, amethyst. And the gates are 12 pearls. Each 
gate is made out of a single pearl. And the street is pure gold, transparent glass. And, and it will be a real city, but the point is, the point is, these 12 men created the foundation stones, stones so Jesus could build that city. Dude. And everybody that's lined up and goes through these cycles of, of, of hearing it, your name and responding and, and, and being saved and saved and saved and saved and saved and have his word being sown into your life where it's incarnationally changing you and changing me. And he's showing you things now that you didn't know when you started and about yourself and about God and about the church and about the world and about, and you're hearing and you're walking, you're seeing and you're amazed. And in the shaking, you come, you come to find out that you don't want to go through this, but you're in it, but you're not by yourself and it's all the way. And what he is doing is he is making us into gemstones. He will never take his eye. A smelter, a refiner of, of gold and silver is looking spot on in that fire, waiting for the precise moment, the precise moment to bring that stone out of the fire. He never takes his eye off us. Thank you, Jesus. So I want you to stand, please. We're, we're not going to do the music. We're just going to, we're going to, we're going to just, uh, we're going to, I'm going to pray. Peter says, when we come to him a living stone, we are also living stones. And those who trust in him will never be put to shame. Never be put to shame. Here's how I want to pray. Would you just close your eyes and open your heart before the Lord right now? Holy Spirit of God. Holy Spirit of God over this room right here and right now. There are people in this room that need to hear you speak their name. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak people's names in this room. Call them by their kingdom name. I pray for people to have a moment right here and right now that's like looking Jesus right in the eyes. Say their name to them again. There are people who are watching, who will be watching this and you're in trouble. You're a believer and you're in trouble and you're going down you're going down hard and the intensity of it is you're aware of it but he's coming to tell you call on him he wants to save you from your trouble he wants to save you from your trouble Holy Spirit of God grab hold of the arms of people that are lifting up their arms to you in this sanctuary and save them from their trouble. Those that are being attacked by the enemy, I speak as an under shepherd in the name of the shepherd and command the enemy to let go of you. 
We break the power of darkness off your life. We break the demonic onslaught from your being, from your domain, from your family line, from your household, off your goods, off your brain, off your mind, off your soul. In the name of Jesus, we speak. In the name of Jesus, we speak. That you will be set free. Set free from the strategies of the enemy. Lord, I pray for a brand new moment of sowing to begin. A brand new moment of sowing to begin in lives. There are people that need to hear your voice and hear and find a pathway through the word. Lord, I pray that you would quicken and birth a pathway through the word of God as people seek you with all their heart. And I pray that what you sow into them, they would reap 30, 60, and even 100 times. And I pray for people to realize that they're shining even while they're shaking. In the, this, is the main, this is the main thing. The anointing of God right now is to awake. Listen, the anointing of God right now is to awaken you, my friend, in the shaking that you're already shining. You're already shining. I want you to lift your hands to heaven and thank him right now. Even if you don't feel it, even if you don't feel the comfort, even if you feel tossed and storm tossed, even if you feel like you're shaking, I want you to thank him. He's making you a gemstone. His eye is on you. His eye, Lord, I pray that you would, live, that you would strengthen the, 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 the hands that hang down. I pray that you would strengthen the knees of the people that need to stand. We ask you, Lord, to send your Holy Spirit across this room to every person's life. Hey, this is Pastor Dustin, and thanks for listening. If you live in the Western Maryland area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services or weekday gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environment, please visit myloh.church.